I trusted my dad. You know, I had faith that he's going to take us to the end of this pathway safely. And then in the end, praise God, he actually did. So then, you know, that actually showcases that my trust and my faith in my dad was real. Because then if, if it wasn't real, then there's no way that I was going to follow him into a dark pathway. I just turned to follow something else, right? Now, I feel like having faith in Jesus is kind of like this. You know, there, there will be times in our lives when our faith will be tested. And during those times when our lives feel like a dark pathway and we can't see what's ahead in our lives and we can't see if something bad is going to happen or not and we don't understand what's happening, you know, in those moments, will we still have faith in Jesus? Will we still follow Jesus? Or will we turn to other things instead? The one thing for us is this. Faith in Jesus means following him even when we don't understand nor see everything. Faith in Jesus means following him even when we don't understand nor see everything. Now, if you guys have your Bibles with you, uh, please turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 43. Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 43. So uh, last week in the previous passage, what we learned was that the kingdom of God belongs to those, to those of us who are like a child in the way that we need and seek help from our God. And then if you guys remember last week, we we're given one negative example of someone who does not have childlike faith. And we saw a rich ruler who didn't have true faith in God because his faith was actually in himself, in his own capabilities, his richness, and his own possessions. But then today, we'll see two examples of those who do have true faith in the Lord. So first, we'll see the, the 12 disciples, how they're able to continue to follow Jesus even though they don't understand everything that Jesus is saying. And then second, we'll see a blind beggar and how he still had faith in Jesus despite what he cannot yet see. So please keep that in mind as we read Luke 18, verses 31 to 43. Uh, please follow along with me. And taking the 12, he, that's Jesus, said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing, by, is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped 
and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is God's word. So we'll be taking a look at this passage in three parts. So three lessons about what it means to have faith in Jesus. First, faith in Jesus means trusting the one who understands everything, verses 31 to 34. And then faith in Jesus means persevering in crying out to Jesus as king, verses 35 to 42. And then lastly, faith in Jesus means choosing to follow him over other things. And we'll see that in verse 43. So first, uh, faith in Jesus means trusting the one who understands everything. So please take a look at verse 31. It starts out with Jesus telling his 12 disciples, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. Now, if you guys remember, going back to Luke chapter 9, we know that Jesus and his disciples, they were in the region of Galilee. But then Jesus started to head toward Jerusalem because he knew that it was almost time for him to be taken up to heaven. So he knew that it was almost time for his mission on earth to come to an end. And Jesus knew that the end would be in Jerusalem, where he would be crucified and where he would die for the sins of man. And Jesus must know that the end is coming very soon now because he and his disciples are getting quite close to Jerusalem. They're nearing the city of Jericho which is only about 30 kilometers away at this point from, from Jerusalem. So then as they're getting nearer, Jesus tells his disciples exactly what they can expect once they finally reach Jerusalem. And look at verse 31. Jesus said, Everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. So when they reach Jerusalem, you know, what they can expect is that what's written about the Son of Man will be accomplished. So what Jesus is actually referring to here is the prophecies that, that are written in Scripture by the prophets. So it's in what we now know as the Old Testament. And then the Old Testament actually has a lot of these prophecies. You know, if you take a look at the book of Daniel, which was actually written about 500 years before Jesus, 500 years before Jesus. You know, one of Daniel's visions was that of someone like the Son of Man coming down with the clouds of heaven. And Daniel saw that the Son of Man would be the one to rule over all the nations of the world forever. And so the title Son of Man that Jesus is, is using here to refer to himself, this is actually a messianic title that refers to God's promised king, the one who's prophesied in the book of Daniel. Now let's look at verses uh, 32 to 33. Jesus would go on to clarify in what way these prophecies regarding the Son of Man would be fulfilled. And he says, For he, the Son of Man, will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. 
Now, if you take a look at the book of Isaiah, which was written about 700 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that the promised king will be despised and rejected by mankind, that he will take up our pain, he'll bear our suffering, he'll be pierced for our transgressions, and he will be crushed for our iniquities. That's written 700 years before Jesus. So then what this tells us is that the promised king, the one who's prophesied in the book of Daniel, will also be the suffering servant who's prophesied by Isaiah. The promised king and the suffering servant will be the same person. Now please note that these are just two examples of what's written about the Son of Man by the prophets. So in actuality, there's actually uh, many more. But the important thing about what Jesus is saying here is that all of these prophecies will finally be accomplished in Jerusalem. Because in Jerusalem, Jesus will be the suffering servant king. He'll be delivered to the Romans, and he'll be mocked, shamefully treated, spit upon, whipped, and he'll die on the cross. And then on the third day, he will rise. So what this means is that in order for the writings about the Son of Man by the prophets to be accomplished, it means that Jesus had to die and then resurrect. But then as Jesus is telling all this to his 12 disciples, let's take a look at verse 34. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. So in their minds, you know, the apostles, they're thinking, you know, what? You know, wh what do you mean? You know, you, Jesus, the Son of Man, will be spit upon, flogged, whipped, killed, and then you'll rise again? Like, Jesus, what do you mean? You know, the disciples, they completely could not understand what Jesus was talking about. Now, in the present day, for us right now, we have a fuller picture of God's redemptive plan for mankind. So we know that Jesus will be crucified on the cross, and on the third day, he will be resurrected. But remember that at that time, Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection had not happened yet. So then these disciples, they could not imagine something like that happening to their promised king, the one that they've been following for almost three years. So even though this was actually uh, the third time that Jesus had told the disciples about his death, you know, they still could not understand. Now, just like the disciples, you know, many of us here today may also feel like there's still a lot of things that we don't understand, and there's still a lot of questions that we still have about the Bible, about who God is, and about this world that he's created. Maybe some of the questions that we may be having, it's like, why is there evil? Why is there pain and suffering? And why do God's people go through hardship? You know, these are complicated questions for sure. And, you know, this sermon won't be covering those topics. But let me ask a different question that's kind of related. You know, what does it tell us about our God, about Jesus, that he knew exactly what will happen to him in Jerusalem? He knew exactly that he'll experience pain, suffering, humiliation, and even death by crucifixion. 
yet he willingly still headed to Jerusalem. You know, what does that tell us about Jesus? You know, before we answer that, you know, let's, let's take a step back a bit. You know, what would happen if Jesus did not die on the cross? Then humanity will have to take on their own punishment themselves. In the passage immediately before this, Jesus just emphasized to the rich ruler that no one is good except God. That's the reality. You know, we're all sinners because we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. And because of our sin, what we deserve is eternal punishment in hell, eternal pain and suffering. So then what would happen if Jesus didn't die on the cross, if he didn't head to Jerusalem? Then that would mean that we would all go to hell in order to receive the punishment that we rightfully deserve. But then God, by his grace and his mercy, he chose to take on this punishment himself. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our promised King, he's to be our suffering servant and our perfect substitute on the cross. And he took on the punishment that we deserve so that our sins may be forgiven. So that those who believe in him, who place our faith in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. You know, that's the good news of Jesus Christ. So then, going back to the question, you know, what does it tell us that Jesus knew exactly what's going to happen to him, yet he still headed toward Jerusalem? It shows us and it proves to us that God loves us, that he cares for us so much that Jesus would willingly take on our pain and our suffering himself so that we may be saved. That's what it tells us. So then if there's one thing that we want to make sure that we understand, it's this. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves us. Now let me ask another question. Jesus is telling his disciples about his death before it's actually happened. So then what does that tell us about Jesus? It means Jesus is completely in control. You know, he knows everything. He's not surprised about what's to come. In fact, his death and resurrection was actually part of God's plan to redeem mankind. You know, it's been a part of his plan since hundreds, thousands of years since before Jesus was born. You know, our God is all-knowing, and he knows everything. And, you know, I believe that's why even though the disciples, they could not understand everything that Jesus just said to them, they were still able to continue to have faith in Jesus and they continued to follow him to Jericho and then to Jerusalem. It's because even though they themselves do not understand everything that's happening or what Jesus is saying, they know that Jesus does. So what that means is that having faith in Jesus It doesn't mean that we need to understand everything on our own, but it means that trusting, that it means that having faith in Jesus means we trust the one who does understand everything. So so then how about us today? You know, perhaps it's easy for us to have faith in Jesus when our path seems clear, 
when everything is going according to our plans and our expectations. But then what happens when something happens that's not according to our plans? When we can't understand what's happening, then what happens then? You know, what happens when you're having difficulty getting a job or when your career is not progressing or when you're not able to find a spouse or to have kids by a certain age or when your financial savings and investments are not doing well or when someone you love is going through medical issues or when you're having conflicts with your spouse, children, other family members or friends then in those moments when you don't understand what's happening, then would you still be able to remain steadfast in your faith in Jesus? I believe you can, but it won't be easy because our tendency, our human tendency is to desire control. We don't like uncertainties. If we could, we prefer for everything to be within our control. But brothers and sisters, we can be comforted in knowing that even during the moments when our lives seem to be out of control, our God is still in control, and He knows what will happen. And His plans for us is not to harm us, but is for our eternal good. Just look at His plan for our redemption. Even when we don't understand everything that's happening, we can continue to place our trust in our loving God, because He's the one who understands everything. You know, even at this moment, if we go back to the text, you know, when the disciples did not understand what Jesus was saying, Jesus was still working for their eternal good. You know, look at verse 34. It says the meaning of what Jesus was saying was hidden from the disciples, hidden. So by God's sovereignty, it was not yet time for them to understand the meaning was still hidden from them. It hasn't been revealed. But then in, in the right timing, in God's timing, they would come to understand the meaning of what Jesus said. Because later on, after Jesus' death and resurrection, the meaning of what Jesus said here would finally be revealed to them. And then when they realized that Jesus had told them everything before, when they realized that actually Jesus' death and resurrection is not defeat, It's actually in accordance to God's plan that he's been telling them all this time. Then in that moment, you know, I believe that their faith was strengthened all the more. You know, the fact that what Jesus was saying was hidden from them only strengthened their faith. So though they didn't understand yet, you know, what Jesus was talking about, they still trusted in him. And then for that, they were rewarded. So first, what does it mean to have faith in Jesus? Faith in Jesus doesn't mean understanding everything on our own, but trusting the one who does. And then second, faith in Jesus means persevering and crying out to Jesus as king. So let's look at verse 35. So after uh, telling his disciples about his death, Jesus and his disciples started to draw uh, closer to the city of Jericho where they saw a blind beggar sitting by the roadside. So then uh, during those times, those who were poor and those who had a a permanent physical ailment like blindness, they were seen as an outcast of society. 
know, there's not much welfare that's made available for them during this time. And so I guess you can say that this man was actually doubly an outcast because he was both poor and blind. So then in order for him to survive, what he had to do was beg for money and food. And so he, that's what he does. And he does so at a strategic location near the entrance to the city because that's where many Jews from different regions would be passing by. Because during this time, it was almost Passover, and many Jews from around the region would be going to make their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. But then imagine, you know, you're the blind beggar. You can't see anything. All you see is darkness. But then you you start hearing things. You start hearing footsteps. And then the footsteps are getting faster and faster, and then you start hearing people talking and more chattering. You know, you can't see what's going on. But then what you know is that there's a bigger crowd, bigger than usual, going by. And you don't know what's happening. So then this man asked the crowd. And then look at verse 37. The crowd told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So then the noises that this guy heard was people rushing to see Jesus as he passes by their city. So then what this tells us is, is that the people there, they actually knew who Jesus was. You know, they, they must have heard all the news by now of Jesus' teachings, his miracles, and they're rushing to see this person. And this blind beggar, you know, he, he also knows who Jesus is because he then cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David. So notice what this blind beggar calls Jesus. You know, the other citizens, they just called him Jesus of Nazareth. You know, that, that's, that's a common title. That's just like calling me Jeff from California. You know, that's, that's no, nothing special. It just tells you a name and then where you're from. But then son of David, now that actually means something. You, uh, in our scripture reading earlier today in 2 Samuel, Erica read that the son, that the, that the promised king will come from the line of King David. So son of David is another messianic title from Old Testament scripture. So then this blind beggar, he's heard of Jesus, and he believes that Jesus is this promised king who he's been waiting for. So then he's crying out to his king for mercy. But then look at what happens in verse 39. You know, the people that were there, they started rebuking him. They're telling him to be silent. So imagine again, you're this blind man sitting by the roadside. There's many people standing around you, you know, towering above you. And they're shouting at you, telling, to, telling you to be quiet. You know, if I'm this guy, you know, I'd probably start feeling a bit uncomfortable. And I'd, I'd be tempted to just be quiet, to be honest. But then for this guy, you know, that didn't stop him, and he perseveres. In fact, he cries out even louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, my king, have mercy on me. So then even though there are people trying to get him to stop, he didn't stop. He persevered, and he continued to cry out to Jesus. So then why didn't this guy stop? Why did he persevere? Why did he keep going? He repeats two times that Jesus is the son of David, 
and he continues to persevere. And I believe that he's able to, to persevere because he's confident that Jesus is truly who he believes he is. He's confident about that. So then how did this blind beggar even come to know who Jesus is? Well, you know, maybe he overheard multiple people start talking about Jesus' teachings. And then as he heard that, he slowly got to know who this Jesus from Nazareth is. And then maybe he started hearing more and more people talk about his miracles, about the time that this teacher from Nazareth fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, and how he cast out demons and he healed lepers. And then this man starts to realize that this Jesus of Nazareth that he's been hearing about is actually no ordinary person. And then maybe he started going to the synagogue at times. And then he, li he listened to the reading of scripture. And then maybe he starts to connect the pieces together. Okay, this Jesus that I've been hearing about, he's the promised king whom the prophets have been writing about. And so that means that this man's faith is not blind faith. It's not blind faith in a random person. It's, it's not blind faith in a person that he didn't know anything about. But his faith was specifically in the person of Jesus Christ. He knows exactly who, who he's putting his faith in. And that's why he's able to be so confident. That's why he's then able to persevere. Now look at, uh, look at verse 40. As the blind man uh, continued to cry out to Jesus, Jesus heard him, and then he stopped, and he sees the blind beggar, and he has mercy upon him. He, he then commanded him to be brought to him. And then when the blind beggar was brought near to him, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind beggar said, Lord, let me recover my sight. He calls Jesus Lord. And then notice that what he's asking from Jesus is different from what he's been asking, you know, the, the, norm, the, the ordinary people who are passing by. You know, he's been, he's been begging for money and food from the different people who are passing by. But Jesus is no ordinary person. This is the promised king. And so what he asked from Jesus is something only that Jesus can do. He's not going to ask him for money or food, but he's going to ask him for his eyesight to be recovered. His faith is in Jesus. Verse 42 then says this, And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And then immediately the blind beggar recovered his sight. So imagine again, you're the blind beggar. And finally, after years most, if not your entire life of seeing darkness, finally you open your eyes and the first thing that you see is the face of your king. And then you can finally start to see the crowd that's actually surrounding you as well. And then you start seeing the people that are then praising God. You know, imagine, you know, the emotions that this man must be feeling at this time as he personally experienced Jesus' mercy and healing, you know, whatever amount of confidence that he had in Jesus, even before the, his healing, it must have grown exponentially. 
And we can actually learn something here from this blind man. You know, look at the perseverance of his faith. That's not in vain. He's able to persevere in his faith, even through hostile conditions, because of his confidence in who Jesus is. Now, perhaps for uh, some of us here today, you know, maybe we're also going through something similar because of our faith. Perhaps we're also experiencing some sort of pushback from our family members or friends who may be telling us to be quiet about Jesus. Or perhaps the pushback is from society or from what we see on social media or movies and TV shows, things that are pushing back against what we believe in. And then over time, you know, these, these voices that we hear from the outside, they start to creep its way inside. And then we start having this inner voice telling us to stop. You know, why do you keep believing in this? Why? You know, in those moments, would we be able to persevere in our faith like this blind man? You know, how can we grow in our perseverance? How can we grow in our confidence in our faith in Jesus? Well, it's by personally knowing who Jesus is, by personally knowing who we're placing our faith in. You know, when I look back at my own life, you know, this is actually how my confidence in Jesus also grew. It's from knowing him more personally. You know, the more, the more time that I spent in God's word, which, you know, I'd encourage all of us to do, you know, the more that I got to know more about God's goodness, and then the more that I realized that I've actually been experiencing his goodness all along, and he's been with me, guiding me all my life. You know, even during the moments when I couldn't see anything but darkness, even during the moments that I couldn't understand what's happening and why things are happening, you know, even when I started to question God's existence and when I stopped reading the Bible back in university, even when I was burnt out from studying, and so then I decided to not, to not pursue my dream of becoming a physician, and even when I didn't get accepted into many schools as a physician assistant, and even when I moved to Indonesia to work with my extended family, only for, for me to then leave the family business, and even when the relationships in my life were then breaking apart. You know, these were dark times for me, and I couldn't see how things would get better. But even then, I see now that God was actually with me, even in those moments that I thought was going out of control. Because during that time, when I actually felt hopeless in Indonesia, I think I was only here for about a year at the time, that's actually when God led me back to his church. And when I listened to the preaching of God's word in church, actually at HMCC, you know, that's when I realized that I've been blind to the truth my whole life. And my eyes were finally open to see the truth. And I could finally see that I'm a sinner in need of God's mercy. And now I see that God has been leading me back to him all along. And that even when I've abandoned him, he hasn't abandoned me. And as I've now personally, as I've now personally experienced his grace and his mercy, you know, just like how the blind man personally experienced 
Jesus' grace and mercy. You know, I learned that he's the one that, can always, that, I, that I can always cry out to in prayer, and he'll always hear me. And since then, you know, I've seen with my eyes how God has been working, not only in my life, but then in other people's lives. You know, I see others being led to see that Jesus is their king. And I continue to see that other people's hearts are being transformed. And I see people growing in their faith. And that actually helps me to grow in my confidence, in my faith. That God is real. That Jesus is truly king. And what the Bible says is all true. So then what can, we do, uh, what can we do in order to grow in our confidence in Christ? Well, we can get to know him more personally through spending more time in God's word, in the Bible. And we can also live out our faith together as a church because as we see others living out their faith and as we help one another grow in our confidence in Jesus, then we see that we're not alone. You know, our brothers and our sisters are also with us. And together, we can have faith in Jesus. And that makes us more confident in our faith as we're able to persevere together as a church. Now, if we go back to this blind man for a second, you know, if we think about it, it's actually ironic, right? Because this blind man was blind most, if not all, of his life. But then he had spiritual sight. Though he was blind, he could actually see the truth that Jesus is king. While on the other hand, for me, it's ironic because I've had my physical sight all my life, but I was once spiritually blind. And I'm afraid that some of you here today are also spiritually blind, just like I once was. And I'm afraid that you may be able to see me right now standing here, and you may be able to see all the people in this room, but you may be having difficulties seeing who Jesus truly is. Now, I'm not saying this to discourage you, but to encourage you. Now, if you do not yet know who Jesus is and you've not yet put your faith in him, now, I encourage you to get to know him. Now, Jesus, our Savior King, who died on the cross for our sins willingly so that we may be saved. You know, if that's you, please talk to me or to anyone around you after our service. We'd love to talk to you more about Jesus. Now let's take a look at verse 42. You know, what Jesus says to this man is, your faith has made you well. In the original language, made you well. You know, that can also be translated as saved. Your faith has saved you. So what Jesus is talking about here is more than just the saving of his eyesight. He's talking about the saving of his soul, salvation, eternal life. You know, just remember the context. What Jesus has been talking about here is entrance into the kingdom of God. He's been talking about eternal life. And it's our faith in Jesus Christ that saves us and helps us and makes us to be able to enter the kingdom of God. 
And so this man, even though he was blind, he was able to have spiritual sight. He was able to see that Jesus is truly king. And he has confidence in who Jesus is, and that's why he's able to persevere. So again, faith in Jesus means persevering in crying out to Jesus as king. And then lastly, faith in Jesus means choosing to follow him over other things. Let's look now at verse 43. After uh, this blind man, or this once blind man, after he recovered his eyesight, he chose to follow Jesus, glorifying God. So one last time, you know, let's imagine that you're this blind man, and you've been blind, you've, all you've seen is darkness, most, if not all of your life, maybe 20 years, 30 years, or more. And then all of a sudden, your eyesight is restored, and you're able to see everything. You know, what would you want to do? You know, perhaps you want to see your family and friends, right, to see how they actually look like. Or maybe you want to travel the world to sightsee, right? What would you want to do? You know, for this man, you know, I imagine that there must have been hundreds of things that he wanted to do, things that he wanted to see, things that he wanted to experience that he couldn't have before. But then what did he decide to do as soon as he received his eyesight? He decided to follow Jesus. That's what he decided to do. So if it wasn't clear to us before, this proves that this man's faith in Jesus is true and real. Because this blind man, you know, he could have just been crying out with his mouth, just saying, Jesus, you know, son of David, he's a promised king. But then after he's healed, he can just go off on his own, you know, not glorifying God, only thinking about himself, living and enjoying his own life. But then that's not what he did. You know, he actually followed Jesus. Now, in contrast, let's, let's take a look at the rich ru ruler, you know, the, the passage that's immediately before this. The rich ruler, verbally, he said out loud that he's followed all of God's commandments since his youth. That's what he, he said. But then when it came down to it, when Jesus told him to sell his possessions, give them to the poor, and follow me, this man, this rich ruler, became very sad because he was extremely wealthy. So what does that tell us? His faith in God was not real. His true faith was in himself, in his own capabilities to do good, and his security was in his own possessions and riches. So then what does this tell us? You know, faith in Jesus is proven by following him over other things. So then how can you be confident if someone has true faith in Jesus? Well, then look, just look at how they're living their lives and see if they're following Jesus and practicing what he preached. So then now, if you identify as being Christian, if you call yourself Christian, then are you truly following Jesus and his teachings? You know, look at the rich ruler and look at the 12 apostles and the, and the blind beggar. 
You know, there's a difference here between, some, between someone who just says that they're a Christian and someone who actually does have faith in Christ and who does follow Jesus. And again, how can you tell the difference? Look at what they're truly following. Are they following Jesus or something else? You know, this rich the rich ruler, he was following the world's riches and possessions, his own ambitions. Now, what are you following? Are you following Jesus or something else? You know, we've all received blessings from God. You know, for some of us, perhaps we've even received that one thing that we've been asking God for, for years, if not for all our entire life. But then after receiving what we finally, what, what we've been asking for, then do we continue to worship the giver or do we then start to forget about who he is and then start worshiping the gift instead? You know, what, what's your gift? You know, what was it that you received? Maybe it was your eyesight or a career, relationship, health, or financial blessings. You know, what is it that you received? And what did you end up following? Did you end up worshiping the giver? Or did you end up following? Or did you end up forgetting about who he is and following those other things instead? You know, to be honest, it's, it's difficult to tell because we all have our blind spots, right? Things about us that we can't see ourselves. Like this rich ruler, you know, he, he thought he was following Jesus when he was actually not. So then what can we do? You know, I encourage you to ask someone, invite someone to share about what they think about your followership of Christ. Invite them to rebuke you if necessary. And I hope, you know, if they were to look into how you lived this past week, including the time that you thought no one was looking, you know, would they see someone who's following Jesus or, or would they see someone who's living their lives that's no different than someone who doesn't profess faith in Christ? Now, what I hope is this, that when others see your lives, it's clear to them that your faith is in Jesus that when they see you going through difficult circumstances that you can't fully understand or that you can't see clearly yet, that they see that you put your trust in Jesus, that you continue, that you continue to live confidently by faith, and that when they see that your faith is tested, that they see you persevering, that you're crying out to God in prayer. And I hope that what they see is that you, what you value and worship is different than what the rest of the world values in worship because you follow Jesus. Now, I'm just thinking once again to this once blind man as he's actually following Jesus. And I'm thinking, you know, what will he actually see when he, if he actually follows Jesus all the way from Jericho to Jerusalem? Then what he will see is his promised king his healer, mocked, shamefully treated, spit upon, flogged, whipped, killed, his crucified king, his healer, as a suffering servant. That's what this man would see not too long after receiving his sight if he followed Jesus all the way to Jerusalem. But then remember what Jesus says in verse 33. It's not going to end with his death. On the third day, 
the Son of Man will rise. And perhaps this blind man was one of the disciples that Jesus would appear to after his resurrection. You know, how amazing would that be for this man that not too long after receiving his eyesight, he's able to see his king resurrected, glorified. You know, for, for all of us, as we follow Jesus through the ups and downs of life, you know, the things that we may see and experience may be difficult at times, just like this blind man and his life and what he might have seen. But then how amazing would it be when we get to the end and when we finally get to see Jesus face to face and he welcomes us to heaven saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful, full of faith. You know, I pray that that's what we'll all hear when our time here on earth comes to an end. And I pray that we may have faith in Jesus even when we don't understand everything, even when we don't see everything that's happening. So let's be reminded again. You know, faith in Jesus doesn't mean understanding everything, but it means trusting the one who does. Because God is the one in control. And this God is not only sovereign and completely in control, but this sovereign God loves us deeply. And his plans for us is for our eternal good. And faith in Jesus means persevering in crying out to Jesus as king. You know, our faith is not blind faith in a random person. You know, we can be confident and persevere in our faith because our faith is not blind faith, but is found in the person of Jesus Christ. We know exactly who we're putting our faith in. And true faith in Jesus is proven by following him over all other things. Now, to help us with our next steps, uh, here are a couple of life applications. First, spend time in God's word. Personally, get to know our Lord. You know, whether, whether you've not yet put your faith in Christ, whether you're still exploring Christianity, or you've been a believer for some time, you know, spend personal time with God. Carve out some time from your schedule each day and read the Bible and get to know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior. If you don't have a Bible, you know, talk to me. Talk to Pastor Eric after the service. You know, again, Christianity is not blind faith. And then second, cry out to Jesus. Pray for God to help us grow in our faith as we spend more and more time in his word. You know, as we spend more time in his word, you know, pray, cry out to God, Lord, please help me to grow in my confidence in you. I still have things that I don't understand. There's still a bit of unbelief. Lord, help me with my unbelief. And help me to persevere to the end, even when I don't fully understand everything, even when I don't currently under, uh, know what's happening in my, in my life. Again, you know, the one thing for us today is this. Faith in Jesus means following him, even when we don't understand nor see everything. Now, now as we remain seated, you know, let's respond to God's word. You know, which part of God's word today stood out to you the most? And why is that? You know, the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. You know, pray for the Spirit to be working. 
you know, keep your Bibles open to the passage, and we'll spend a few moments of quiet reflection and prayer in response to God's word. Let's pray.